So Hannah was a very unusual messenger, but God used her life to literally change the culture in which she lived and to change the nation of Israel in an amazing way. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Well, welcome to One Cry. We are so glad you're joining us today. And I'm really thrilled about today because I'm Bill Elliff, and this is not Kyle Reno. This is Holly <laughs> Elliff sitting here at the table with me, my lovely wife of, of 49 years yes. and eight children and 26 grandchildren. And uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have her today because uh, in this series, we're talking about can one life change a nation? And we've seen that it can, and we thought we'd do a real injustice to this topic if we didn't include women that God has used to change the nation. And so Holly is joining us, and uh, Katie Reno, Kyle's wife, is going to join us in an episode. And so Holly, uh, great to have you, and uh, most of these folks don't know God has used Holly as a pastor's wife, and then... Uh, in Revive Our Hearts ministry, been on the radio quite a bit and teaching all over the country. So uh, it's just great to have you. And and today, Holly, we're going to talk about one of your favorite ladies in the Bible. And uh, you've taught on, on this woman's life a lot. So tell us about Hannah and and what God did in her and through her to help change the world. Well, he did a lot through Hannah to change the world. And that's why she's one of my favorite women, because she did not know that that was coming in her life. And so when we first meet Hannah, she is not a Proverbs 31 role model at all. And Hannah was a woman that was clothed not in righteous clothing, but in discontent and jealousy and sorrow. And she she was carrying a heavy load. Hannah was a woman with problems when we first meet her in Scripture in the book of 1 Samuel. Everything about her is written in about 40 verses in 1 Samuel. And Hannah lived at a time when the nation of Israel, much like our own nation right now, was struggling. The priesthood was corrupt. Idolatry was rampant. We also know that there was total chaos in Hannah's home. Although she was married to a man that she genuinely loved, and he loved her, Elkanah took a second wife because Hannah was unable to have children, and in that culture, that's what you did if your wife could not have children. Conflict was the norm in their home, and the struggle was real, and it multiplied year after year. The book of 1 Samuel begins Hannah's story as the family is traveling every year to Shiloh to worship the Lord for the Feast of Tabernacles and offer sacrifices before the Lord. And in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, it says this, And on the day when Elkanah sacrificed at the festival, he would give portions to Penina his wife and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. 
Her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb, and it went on year after year. This wasn't something that was quickly resolved. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Some of you women will understand that that was not necessarily what she needed to hear. But Hannah was hopeless and sad and angry. As we go on and look at Hannah, I'm sure Hannah had been to the tabernacle many, many times at this point, but this year was different for Hannah. Verse 9 says, After they had eaten and drunk and Shiloh, Hannah rose, and Eli the priest was sitting on the seal beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed. She was weeping. She was praying before the Lord. Hannah had been there many times, but this encounter with the Lord would forever change her. She didn't know that was coming. But as we see Hannah, she acknowledges and cries out honestly before the Lord. She acknowledges Him as her provider, and she literally pours all of her need out on that altar. She was genuinely broken and miserable. And as she did that, she did exactly what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 reminds us to do, where it says, Humble yourselves, casting all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. And the Lord did care for Hannah, and he met her in that spot. The word there for casting is literally a wrestling term. It's an aggressive act, and what it means is to raise your opponent over your head and then chunk him on the ground, and that is what that word means, and we find this concept in Scripture when it comes to the things that we cannot handle on our own. Psalm 55, 22, same word, says, cast your burden on the Lord, for the righteous will not be shaken. Psalm 62, 8 contains the same word, trust in him at all times, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, and we are grateful for that. Maybe before this day, Hannah wasn't ready to accept God's answer to her prayers and didn't know how he was going to answer those. Maybe she finally got tired, just sick and tired of operating in her own strength, in the realm of her own ability and understanding. For whatever reason, this day, Hannah has reached the end of herself, and she opened her hands and her heart and her spirit to the Lord. And Oswald Chambers said this, There is only one thing God wants of us, unconditional surrender. And this was the day when Hannah was unconditionally surrendering to the Lord and asking for his help. Because Hannah chose to surrender her heart, she became a woman of prayer. And because she got honest with God in prayer, she became a woman of personal faith. Eli thought that she was drunk, accosted her while she was praying because he couldn't figure out what was going on with her. Then Eli answered, 
As Hannah said, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I'm speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And Eli said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. He didn't say God will grant your petition, but he said, I'm praying for you that God will grant that. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. She went her way, but something dramatic had happened because when she went her way, she could eat. She joined her family and she enjoyed the the feast and her heart, her face was no longer sad. And that's the only face they had seen for a long time. Hannah was a woman of personal faith. And just as Abraham's faith in future events afforded him righteousness in Genesis 15, Hannah's circumstances at this moment had not changed. But in verse 18, it says that she went her way in peace. What a drastic change from the woman that we have seen already in this book. Psalm 42.11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You see, Hannah really walked away with the world's fastest facelift because she walked away not only with a different heart and a different mind and a different spirit, but she looked different because she was no no longer carrying the burden of her issues in her life. I believe she left that day trusting God to accomplish her concerns. She went her way, she ate, her face was no longer sad. In Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5, it says this, When you make a vow, be sure you pay it. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not pay. Well, in the midst of Hannah's prayer before the Lord, she made a vow to the Lord. And she said, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you to become your servant. Hannah acted in faith on that promise that she made to the Lord. God blessed her with a son. They named him Samuel. It was miraculous because Hannah had desired that for so long, and God finally did that. During the growing up years in Samuel's life, Hannah chose not to go back to the festival because she wanted every moment with Samuel that she could have. She says in verse 22, when he is weaned, I will bring him to the temple, and then he will appear there before the Lord and stay there forever. Verse 23 tells us that Elkanah granted her request. She remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And in Hebrew culture, that meant a very different thing than it often does in our culture, because weaning meant far more than just the physical act of nourishing that child. The term literally means to deal fully with. Psalm 138.8 
God promises to accomplish that which concerns her. And so when Hannah released her grip, opened her hands, her joy was restored, her ability to love was reawakened, and the pressures that had been in Hannah's life opened the door to knowing that she needed the Lord. She became a student of the Lord, even though she was untaught. She didn't get to go to divinity school, but Hannah is actually a treatise on the sovereignty of God. She writes in chapter 2 of the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah wrote this story, this chapter of the book. I can only think of maybe two other women who also wrote chapters that are recorded in Scripture. One is Mary, as she received the gift of Christ, and then Miriam, as she exalts God for the release of Israel in bondage. A.W. Tozer says God's sovereignty is the attribute by which he rules. And God, Hannah allowed God to be sovereign in her life. And all of chapter 2 is about the sovereignty of God and his wisdom and what he knows that we cannot know. Hannah became a messenger of the sovereignty of God. Hannah didn't resign her role as a wife and go to rabbinical school in that time. God taught her in the midst of her home, in the midst of her family, to trust him. And she surrendered to him, to the Lord, in a very difficult environment. Some of you women are in a difficult environment, and you don't know if God's going to come through or not. But Hannah, I think, wrote this chapter for women who needed to believe that God was big enough to handle their circumstances. She covered Samuel in prayer. She had several more children. And Hannah, under, uh, sorry, Hannah became the mom of the prophet in Israel, under whose tenure two kings were anointed, very important kings. That was Saul and David. And the glory of God was restored to all of Israel through Samuel. When we look at the end of this book, we're close to the end of this book. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says this, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. From an early age, the Lord was with Samuel, and that was evident in his life. The Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. He had been absent for many years, but he appeared again there, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So Hannah was a very unusual messenger, but God used her life to literally change the culture in which she lived and to change the nation of Israel in an amazing way through an amazing woman. That's that's so beautiful. I tell you, you know, I just thinking because we've been doing this series and Kyle and I 
talking about men that the Lord has used, but behind every man is a mother, is a wife, you know, are these different, uh, and and for her to go, I'd never thought, Holly, about her going from sorrow to prayer. She didn't come into that prayer in faith to say that she was in anxiety and she prayed. She really was a woman who lived encased in sorrow and became a woman who was just totally covered by God's sovereignty. Yeah. And faith, and then, and then following that with her care for Samuel, that the Bible doesn't record every bit of that, but you know she was just pouring into him because she knew she had a little limited time just pouring into that young Actually, boy. Actually, the Bible covers more of that because yeah. it says in Scripture that she created a new robe for him every single year, yeah, yeah. and so she was pondering. How tall is he? What color does he want yeah, it to be? Yeah. And every year, all year long, I think as she wove that robe together, she was praying yeah. for her son. Wow. Wow. Well, so beautiful. And I think for moms out there and single moms and single women who are thinking my life is not amounting to much or it can't amount to much, what a, what a passage of hope. Even if you're in sorrow, even if you're in anxiety, run to the Lord. You know, she went to the right place. She prayed, and that led to all kinds of things. And it took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and some of us might want to get to the Lord sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah, so beautiful. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more in the last half of this program about how to change, how to change the world through raising children that will be world changers. And we want you to watch this testimony for just a moment. Well, I have the honor of having the Ellis here uh, with me right now. And just to get to know them a little bit, we know you individually heard from you now, and you know, we obviously know you way yeah, too way much. Way too much. <laughs> way <laughs> too much. <laughs> Together. If there's ever a yeah. over-knowing, this is probably <laughs> if you've been with us. But hey, you just said something. Tell me, y'all will celebrate next year how long? 50 years, that's right. and that's probably probably 55 or six years of dating and, and marriage, Come but on. 50 years of marriage. Yeah. yeah. Holly, you've done it. Well, <laughs> yeah. you have done it, yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. going to say you have done it. You have yeah. married him for 50 years. Not a big deal for me. <laughs> right. I mean, what do you know? Yeah, right. It's heroic. That is, that yeah. is awesome. So uh, eight kids. Eight kids. Going on twenty six grandkids Golly. at the moment. Right. That are the oldest one is fifteen. Wow. So yeah. A lot of little children. It yeah. is insane. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I obviously had a, the privilege of having a front row seat, you know, to seeing a lot of those things in the foreman of y'all's family line, you know, with all those grandkids and stuff. So we wanted to take a minute here. And just say, and, and I get to say this, I know you won't say this yourself, by God's grace, power of the Holy Spirit, you know, you have raised great kids, great kids. And in your, and I know I'm watching and the shaping of great grandkids that are going to live for the glory of God and all those things. So I, well, how does that happen? You know, like I, and I know it doesn't, it hasn't even necessarily started with y'all, that y'all have family lines and a story of faith and then intentional steps. So maybe take us back a little bit and then I'll ask some questions about where you even are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have time to tell the story, but my, my great grandfather was not a believer. 
and his wife was was a believer and was dying on a train. And she made him promise that he'd give his life to Christ and raise their daughter for Christ, a little baby. And she died. And his testimony was that he stayed on his knees a long time and got up a Christian. Wow. So uh, one of his children from the next wife that he married, a Christian woman, was my grandfather, who was a pastor, who had one son, my dad, who was a pastor. Uh, and dad had four of us, three guys that are all pastors and one sister that married a pastor. And now out of the 18 of our siblings, there are 14 of those that are either pastors or missionaries or married pastors or missionaries. So their kids. Yeah, their yeah. kids, our kids and my siblings' kids. Mm-hmm. So my dad used to say, we're going to help the world or ruin it. <laughs> but it's it's just this one. And Holly on Holly's side, wonderful mom and dad who love the Lord, you know. And and so what what we became as parents was certainly shaped uh, by all of that, don't you think, hon? Well, and especially in today's world, yeah, I'm so grateful. I mean, my parents were together until the Lord started taking them home. So um, that would be a miracle almost yeah. in today's culture, 100%. and it's rare. rare. And so I think the more people understand how important that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the bigger an issue that is oh, in our culture. Yeah. yeah. Faith moves down family lines. You know, yeah. like God intended for that to be true. Right. You know, and even anointing, you know, flows through, I believe, family lines. There's faithfulness God blesses and stuff. So even looking at y'all, you know, raising kids and desiring, I, I think that God gave y'all a window into that, the way that you raised, you're looking even beyond your kids to what what they would be as parents and such. So what were some things y'all were instilling in your in the lives of your kids from an early age? I mean, let us learn from you a little bit. Well, we we got so desperate one time that we sat down on the couch and said, We have to we have to figure this out. We've got <laughs> No, I'm I'm serious. Yeah. It was getting crazy. Yeah. And um This was early on. Early on, yeah. yeah. So but we ended up with eight and it was it was crazy. Yeah. But um so we sat down and we on the top of the sheet we wrote Elif Family Rules. Do you remember this? Oh, I thought you were talking about something else, but yes, I do remember that <laughs> yeah. too. And yeah. it that paper lived on our refrigerator yeah. in perpetuity. I yeah. mean wow. just forever. And and they were simple things. Practical you know, things. Practical things. Hmm. But it kind of put a little outline around who we were right. as a family and wow. the things that we believed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it was helpful. I thought you were going to tell about, because I think it was prior to that, or maybe after, I can't remember, that we also said we took a weekend one time and wrote out an Ella family covenant. Mm-hmm. And it had, I think, 25 things that we want wanted to believe mm-hmm. and teach. The rules were the more practical parameters you know don't don't you know beat your brother over the head but, <laughs> those are uh, the ones that kept me alive yeah, yeah, kept you. Kids. but i think i think because of our parents yeah. 
there was a sense of uh, intentionality yeah. about raising these kids. And then it's a whole other podcast to tell about why we, after we had four kids, that we decided to just let the Lord be in charge of that. And he right. gave us four more. Our, our magic number was four. Yeah, yeah we didn't right. think. And we were going to be done. Yeah, right. So, you know, we don't have time to get into all of that. Yeah. But that was critical. That was sure. just saying, the Lord, you're in charge of the giving of these children. Yeah. And you're in charge of the raising of these children, and we just want to cooperate with you and trust you. Right. And uh, but you know, I think one of the things for me is my parents. Um, I interviewed my mom one time at a church I pastored, and mm-hmm. and she said something I'd heard her say many times. She said, "Well, the one thing." we wanted our kids to know was that mom and dad loved Jesus more than anything in the world. And <laughs> we did. Yeah. We knew that about them. They they would leave anywhere, do anything, spend any money, lay aside anything for Jesus. Well, my star, you can't, you know, you can't just write that on the wall. You you live that. Right. And uh, and it was authentic with them. And and I hope that, you know, that's been Holly and I's desire. I, we want to be intimate with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We want to love Jesus. And our belief is that our children will catch that, yeah. you know. Well, I've listened to your kids on real. You know, which I thought that's the that's the proof in the pudding, you know, <laughs> that when your grown kids will stand even here at our church, you know, stand before you know, the church and say, let me tell you about who my mom and my dad truly are, you know, and their love for Christ, which is awesome. And I just think about and maybe you can add to this y'all's willingness uh, to follow the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, through because you've, you've been in ministry a long time, you know, and, and that's called for how that helps shape your children's faith. And maybe you could help our listeners today to say, like, hey, how'd y'all walk your kids as y'all are walking with the Lord into that journey? There were moments when mm, we had to make it sound like an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) And we had no idea what it was going to be like when the Lord took us to Life Action Ministries. Mm. And uh, I had just found out I was pregnant with number six. Mm. And we were going to be living in a trailer that had, what, 586 square feet? Two two trailers. trailers. They were together together. and still (laughs) only 500 square feet. And we would travel from September to May, you know. And to our kids, it genuinely was a great adventure. To this day. To this day, they see it as a really great adventure. For me, it was a time of having to so totally depend on the Lord. Yeah, you know, because we were ripping exist. up her nest every two weeks, and oh yeah, the trailers moved going everywhere. a thousand miles and doing it again. There was a moment when I went to buy groceries and uh, realized that I didn't have a credit card, and I had like five dollars in cash, and uh, and then I had a check, and the guy said, "So, where where do you live?" And I said, "Well." We we like live everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> right. every yeah. every two weeks. I had all my kids with me, but, you know, wow. every two weeks we're someplace else. And he said, so like, like gypsies. And I said, well, kind yeah. of. Gospel, yeah. Gospel gypsies. Yeah. And then he, he I said, we park our trailer on church parking lots. And he said, so which church are you sitting at right now? And I said, 
Honestly, I, I, have do, no not, idea. I have, do not know. And your kids are all right there. At that moment, I couldn't even not. remember what town we wow. were in. Yeah. So, you know, it keeps you humble when yeah, you must yeah. be dependent. dependent on the Lord for survival. You know, I, I think there were two, there were several huge moments that you look back on. Right. One was when God called us to life action, because I've been pastoring for 20 years. I had a wonderful salary. We had a nice home and we were going on support. We were traveling. We were living in trailers. It was just a totally different lifestyle. And God had to get us there, you know. And what got us there was the call for and the burden on our hearts for revival mm-hmm. and and for the nation. And that's what got us there. And but it was this grand adventure. Yeah. I think another time was when we were in a real struggle in a church. Mm-hmm. And uh, God brought us this crisis moment mm-hmm. uh, where I think we responded with integrity and the right way. But we ended up leaving that church with no salary and beginning six of us guys and our wives beginning the summit right. 25, 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a huge step. But our kids, they were in that with us. Yeah. We're talking, we're praying, we're explaining. So uh, I think demonstrating the willingness to step out into yeah. the deep is really critical for your kids. And if you walk with God, he's going to do that. Yeah. He's just, I don't care mm-hmm. what the manifestation of it is in your life. He's right. going to take you on a faith right. journey yeah. that requires dependency upon the Lord to make it work. And y'all's willingness to live by faith, you know, has brought about change in the world. You know, like I'm seeing the summit and how it's impacted nations and planted other churches and all those things. But watching it on a on a family level, your willingness to walk in that and be used to God to see things change in the world also raised up world changers. Because look at that, your kids are everywhere. You know, for in planting churches and ministries and married to pastors and different things. And so it made faith is always a personal decision. But y'all paved the way. You know, you'll pave the way for them to also courageously follow God in those moments. So I guess I'd say just a final word uh, to those that let lump me, including five kiddos, that longer raise kids that God would use to change the world. What would be your encouragement to to us? Uh, I would say, remember that it's baby steps of faith. You know, you just don't suddenly turn into some superhero person that always is perfectly trusting the Lord that comes out of those hard moments when, you know, you're listening, you're following, you have no idea what God is doing. And so we were there a lot. And I think maybe that's what, um, allowed our kids to step out doing crazy things Mm -hmm. for the Lord and being in tough places. You know, uh, some of our kids are in Seattle and uh, it's tough there. Mm -hmm. And and so I I would say just the day by day following of God's path. And I I would say uh, two things if I could. One is. In that following, you you can't follow unless you hear. So the discipline of every day reading the Bible and praying and listening to the Lord 
there's no substitute. I mean, we could talk about that all day. If you don't have that as the bedrock and a commitment to the Word of God as the final authority in your life, God, God took us through a lot of little things. I remember my brother saying to me one time, hey, Bill, the issue is not the issue right now. The issue is God is teaching you what's going to be the final authority. It's going to be what God says or what you feel. And uh, he had to establish that through some circumstances. So listening. And then I would say, you know, I'm Holly's more truth. I'm more grace kind of in our gifting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I call her high justice. (laughs) And uh, and I'm probably more. I don't know what. But anyway, you know, we're we're both leaders. Yeah. And we bang heads, you know, but you got to keep loving each other. Yeah. And you got to keep forgiving each other and you got to keep walking with each other. And I think our kids, by the grace of God, they know that, yeah. you know. Well, and the kids get real smart. They yeah. know which parent to go to yeah. first. <laughs> they play it, yeah. You know, or how to say it. Right. Let's see. How can we say this to dad? get down yeah. on my side right <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to I'll give them anything. I can give them anything they yeah, want. You know, I totally get yeah. that. Well, hey, listen, thank you for the time today. And I know our listeners are going to be encouraged. And hey, by God's grace, you've raised up world changers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kids that are living for the Lord. Yeah. And their kids. I, I have a, I have. A passage I'm praying, uh, Isaiah 59, uh, I think it's verse 12, and he says, the Lord says, makes a promise in this moment. The words I put in your mouth, they won't leave your children or your children's children. Wow. And I'm just praying, Lord, let that be true. You put these things in me and and Katie, like put these things in our kids and down the line. And ultimately, that's what's going to change the the tide. There is never a moment when there's not something that really needs prayer. That's right. In our family. That's right. So keep praying. Keep praying. And I tell you, as our listeners are listening to this, if they would, if I could be personal, would you pray for us, our kids, our grandkids, you, your kids, grandkids, and other leaders that they know that we'd be faithful to the end. Amen. Because you can blow it. Right. And and, uh, that God would help us just be faithful. Awesome. Well, we're so grateful you joined us today. And, you know, this is such a different angle than we've been talking about, but it's so critical that we understand this progression uh, that here's Hannah, who she may not be the one that's actually out there, you know, ruling, leading, whatever. It was her son, but he would have never been there had it not been for the surrender, the prayer, and the care of his mom. So we always love to pray this in, okay, so it becomes part of us. So Holly, why don't you begin and just uh, pray that God would make us like Hannah. Would you do that? And then I'll close us. Father, we know that there is a weight in our nation. There is a weight on the hearts and minds of many, many, many men and women across our country teenagers, singles, Mm -hmm. children, are also carrying this weight in these days. And Father, we desperately need you Mm -hmm. to step into our culture, step into our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be like Hannah, not in her level of ministry, but in her ability to stay before the Lord and say, I'm taking this off of my shoulders Mm -hmm. and giving it to you. 
and she gave her life to the Lord Mm -hmm. so that he could carry those burdens. And so, Father, I pray that you would make us aware of what we're carrying that is not ours, but it Mm -hmm. is yours, Mm -hmm. and allow more and more men and women to understand the gift that you have given to us Mm -hmm. in Christ so that we don't ever have to carry that on our own. Mm -hmm. And Father, uh, although I've never experienced it, I can't imagine how hard it is to long for a child and not have one and the pain and the anxiety about that. And then it's hard to raise children that you have, that the Lord gives you. And I pray in all of this, Lord, you would give us the grace to relax our hands uh, like Hannah did. And as Holly said, surrender fully to the sovereignty of God. Lord, you, you want to use all of us in all kinds of different ways to touch the world. And uh, Lord, it may be uh, a lady discipling a young mom or, or, or pouring into someone else's child or adopting a child or whatever it is, uh, a thousand different ways that you can use us if we'll just cooperate with you. And then one day in heaven, Lord, we're going to see what that led to, how you use that for your glory in ways that we could never even imagine. So, Lord, make us men and women like that and use us for your glory. And we pray, Father, that our cooperation with you would lead to great revival and awakening in our land, in our day. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, and thanks for coming, honey. This was awesome. And let's do it again. That was that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're so glad that you joined us today. Uh, share this with somebody, and then join us next time. We'll see you then.